have Chunk Books, the cybersecurity personal fear by Cyber Express. Uh, it's it's a delight to have you, Chuck. <laughs> I think you don't need a formal introduction. You're just everywhere. <laughs> You're one of the biggest cybersecurity leaders globally, and you know, and, and I think the industry is profoundly limited to what you have done. I mean, please join me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be on on your show, and uh, honor to be selected as Cybersecurity Person of the Year uh, by your publication. It's it's a real thrill. Great, great, great. So. Well, well. Start with how, how, when, when did you come to know about this, the particular news, and then how, what was your reaction? How did it go? Then how was, how was the, you know, the communication? How was, how was the response from everyone? Response has been overwhelming. It's been great. Um, you know, it's, it's a great way to start the year. There's, it's been uh, all over social media. People calling. Uh, very, very exciting. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of visibility. And, and all the other people too that were selected in the top 10, uh, you know, great names. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a being a, every day, I see more posts on, on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and Twitter. So, I'm, you know, it still has a life of its own, it's still going. <laughs> so, so amazing. And I think it, it was a, it's a well, well-deserved one for all we know, because there was, there was, you know, there was students voting, there was so many things that went behind, you know, preparing that. So. I think you deserve it of all the people. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about a couple of other things uh, coming from to, to the industries uh, industries and how the cybersecurity segment is going on. Uh, from that part, uh, you you come from a background of education, and uh, of late, you know, there, there have been a heightened uh, risk of cyber uh, cyber attack against education institutions. Sure. Uh, first thing, uh, you know, the trend continues, even after, even though there are there have been enough number of awareness. But then, where 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 is the industry lacking? Why is it that you know, of always whenever there is an attack, the education industry or probably universities, they they are they're struggling, struggling to just protect themselves. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good question. I actually, uh, my background is starts in it's in industry and government. And my latter part of my career has been education. So I see the different uh, perspectives. And my own viewpoint of this is that I think a lot has to do with, with the economics of cybersecurity. You know, obviously, initially, uh, people didn't really understand the threat. Now they're beginning to understand the threat. And now they're questioning, uh, do we need to invest in, in protecting against the threat? And, and the problem has been mostly with the C-suite, who still don't understand the threat. And the fact that you know you're going to get hit with a cyber attack, you're going to be out of business, likely if you're a small medium business. But also, uh, it's going to uh, affect your re reputation, your ability to do business, and if you're in, involved with uh, uh, supply chain, um, you could be uh, hurting a lot of other companies too. So I think I think there's a wake-up call that's going on in the last couple of years, and I don't think it's necessarily uh, uh, a good thing that you know that we're so late to the game because uh, uh, I think our, our the adversaries have a, a big jump on this. They're using advanced technologies, automation, artificial intelligence, and and, um, and now the, the the ecosystem is so large. They have so many targets, and so we're playing catch up. And I still right. think there's reluctance by industry to understand that this is a very dangerous threat. You know, just as a physical threat would be or a terrorist threat would be, but cybersecurity can be done remotely and is is much more. Uh, anonymously too, so it's 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 even a bigger threat to to, to industry. Okay, okay, uh, okay. You did touch a little bit about artificial intelligence. 
Um, and then uh, as soon as uh, you know the uh, uh, chat GPT came in, you know, or probably when there was the entire idea of GPT three, the entire uh, ecosystem around uh, chat GPT has changed, uh, and then the understanding of AI has changed for the masses. I think it has been you know decades when a product came, and then it just disrupted the market. It is just trending. It's all over the place. Everyone is very inquisitive about what it can do, and also on that front, a lot of cyber uh, security experts had real concerns, understanding the capabilities, understanding what uh, kind of you know uh, program is it capable to write, how much can of how much of a way training can be done to charge uh, GPT. So from, from taking from there, you know, to how AI in cybersecurity is probably you know the next frontier. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I think AI is going to have a tremendous influence. It already is, and it, it's also a question how you define AI. But even in its most basic elements, um, it is it is very valuable for analytics. Um, to you know, we don't have the capacity. Most companies, most governments don't have enough cybersecurity experts to, to even work those issues. So they need to automate it, and cybersecurity is, is is greatly automated by artificial intelligence. So that's giving us a, a understanding of of what threats are out there. And how to do the incident response, you know, the uh, so the threat sharing, etc., is, is now being automated through AI. The second thing is that it's also being used by the adversaries against us. Uh, they're using it to automate phishing attacks. Now they used to send a few hundred emails. Now they can send a million emails. And then, and if you're looking at a one percent response rate or even a half percent response rate, that's a lot of hits. So I think uh, um, it's it's made the the, the the environment much more dangerous uh, for industry, for government, for for consumers. So we have to look at this new era, and I think what we have to look at is, is using cybersecurity for defenses, uh, which is really uh, where a lot of this is going. Uh, the, a lot of the VC money is now going into to areas where, where people are developing automated uh, uh, penetration testing. You know, looking at behavioral, uh, looking at all the different elements because automation and artificial intelligence are the really only way to sort of even the playing field. Right. Right. Okay. What about the flip side? How about the industry prepare or industry leverage artificial intelligence? And you know there are there are there are better uh, AI enabled cybersecurity tools to prevent attacks from some uh, you know from other AI again. So there are probably bots fighting bots. Do you see a scenario of bot wars in the future? I'm not going as far as Skynet, but then it's somewhere close. Yeah, you know I think you know there's. A few years ago, there was a movie called Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Oh, really? Artificial intelligence. I don't think we're there yet. Although one Google engineer did say we're near sentient, but we're not. Those are bots. But the, like you said, the bots now are becoming our basically our search engines, our analytic engines, and they're they're enabling a lot uh, more thing for even individuals to to learn a lot. But I think that the 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 issue here is is really that uh, one of the things that. There's recently been discovered that artificial can, can, intelligence can now code. So you're developing right. uh, code by AI, and, and you know how do you stop that? I mean that that is exponentially impacts the playing field. So you need tools now that be able to, to react to that, or tools to be able to use it. So I think you know you're playing a game here where the technology, emerging technology, is so greatly impacting the the technology of of, uh, of security. That if you don't have those those upgrades and tools ready to use, or if you're not using managed security, you're going to be at greater risk. So you know, technology is a tool like everything else, and it has minuses and pluses. 
and has a lot of pluses. But if you don't keep up with the threats and understand what uh, our enemies are doing, then we're going to uh, fall farther and farther behind. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this is probably an approach. Uh, which which books? Uh, so there there are multiple type of you know, cyber criminals, and then do you think? AI enabled cyber attacks would probably be used more by state sponsored actors or do you think you know smaller hacker groups or ransomware gangs will be using that I think both uh, you know I think in, in the case you know you really have uh, four big players in the sort of uh, the adversarial cyber attack world and, and that right. of course is China Russia Iran and the North Korea hmm. and they all do it for different reasons Uh, the capabilities are, are 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 very strong with all those countries. I mean, China does it primarily for for economic espionage, but they have a lot of capabilities. The, the military is running their cybersecurity. Russia uh, is engaged right now, obviously, in an issue with Ukraine. So, uh, and they're also caught the attention of a lot of the the world out there, including Anonymous. So they're defending a lot of their things. But what they do uh, as a practice is they often often corporate cooperate with these these groups or these gangs. So these sophisticated gangs are basically uh, cutouts, plausible deniability uh, from from a lot of the, the, the national security elements of, of Russia, but certainly in coordination with it. So I think that your answer is really both. I think uh, the geopolitical realities are the, these uh, these countries are going to use artificial intelligence. They probably already are. Uh, they're going to use it to to explore vulnerabilities, find it, and maybe sit and watch, uh, like they did with Solar Winds uh, for for years right. before they discovered. And so. You know, I think uh, you know we have to look at them in, in a very sophisticated way, in a very capable way, and uh, you know this is really the the world we live in, and uh, you know it, as their their uh, understanding and sharing of these tools uh, grows on on the dark web, etc., we're going to look at an expanding attack surface and expanding attack groups. So artificial intelligence is going to be even more prevalent in the years to come with with use for for cyber attacks. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's it. Okay, now that you actually did mention a little bit about solar winds, and then there was also the colonial pipelines, two of the biggest cyber attacks of 2021. They both were, you know, at the end of the day, a compromised third-party uh, firms. Uh, folks, for a for a cybersecurity leader, for a business leader, how how imperative it is that they you know they protect their you know, third third party, and how what exactly is the best method to ensure that. that uh, third party firms are also you know protected against cyber attacks yeah well i think it it starts with a cyber security risk management strategy right. and there're plenty of them out there i mean you can go with with nist or mitre or, or, or a bunch of others um the bottom line is it's it, a lot of it involves cyber hygiene uh, still the, the most prominent uh, kind of attacks or phishing attacks and cyber threats are the top two they've consistently been that for for a decade so uh, a lot of that you can avoid through multi-factor authentication uh by segmentation of networks uh by encryption uh of networks and and we'll be doing more about that with quantum coming on too um right. and also uh you know employee training uh, incident response and that's all part of a cyber risk management plan and i don't think you have to be a big business to do this i think every business should be able to do this uh it's not a big investment to understand uh what the threat landscape is and what you need to do and if you can't do it internally you could always hire outside help and there's plenty of groups that offer that So I think I think this is really the basics. You know, really, it comes down to cyber hygiene and right. cyber understanding of, of risk management. Okay, got it. Uh, so again, coming coming back to uh, the same same topic of you know third party risk management, where do basically the responsibility lies? Uh, lies? 
uh, is it is it the responsibility of the vendor, the third party vendor, to ensure that their infrastructure is strong, or is the is it the company, the, the key main company, who are basically the the targeted uh, company? So is it the CISO of the bigger company, or is it the small company? Who should take the responsibility for the protection? You know, it really is uh, predominantly the CISO right now uh, because they're the ones that only understand what's really happening. But it's really a C-suite issue. Right. And that's why the CISO has to be at the table, CIO, etc. Sometimes they're dual roles, but uh, I think you need to really understand that because Britt, you're right. With third party, you're dealing with a, a vendor chain, and uh, if one one vendor is corrupted, the whole system's corrupted, corrupted. And so I, I think you know that understanding of, of the reality of that is really important. Governments taking you know extra uh, uh, positions on this to to enforce it, you know, through contractual and and, and uh, security uh, uh, standards, etc. But most industry doesn't follow that. They're they're out for basically, uh, you know, okay, it's, they're very loose with their, their standards, very loose with their activities, and it's going to cost them, you know, because they're going to go down. Yeah. And uh, there's a variety of things that can bring them down. But you really need to do if you're any kind of company is establish a, a, a procedures to understand that your, your, uh, your, the, the, your vendors have, have done the very basics or the important things that they need to do to ensure that the code's not corrupted, that they're not uh, transmitting uh, malware, et cetera. And uh, you, know, you have to do that all the way down the line. Got it, got it. Uh, coming back to Colonial Pipeline, I think that that was one of the uh, you know biggest cyber attacks that was targeted at that critical infrastructure. Uh, from then on, you know, there has been a, a lot more severe attention to it. Uh, and then, of course, from state sponsor actor or from, from anyone. So, for that matter, do you think governments are you know, prepared enough to uh, out there? There is enough stress on the protection of critical infrastructure right now. I don't think so at all. And we're seeing, uh, you know, a, a spade of, of an attacks on the energy critical infrastructure in the U.S. Right, a physical and cyber. Um, you know, most of the most of the cyber infrastructure in terms of critical infrastructure. A lot of our legacy systems with a lot of vulnerabilities, a lot of them are built a long time ago. Uh, they're increasingly vulnerable. And when you're looking at geopolitics and you're looking at what happened in Ukraine and Russia, you realize they're the primary targets. I mean, that's why the uh, CISO was established under DHS to, to deal with the critical infrastructure issue. And I think there are 18 critical infrastructures. But the problem is that they're operated and owned by the private sector for the most part. And, and until you can communicate to these companies that it's in their vital interest to really take these extra actions. Even Colonial Pipeline, uh, for what they were doing, they were not prepared. They didn't even understand the implications of the the, the, the mix between OT and IT, uh, what they had to do. They ended up paying a ransom. Uh, you know, so they're, they're, if they're not prepared and they have the whole East Coast of uh, logistics for gas and oil, uh, what are other companies doing? And so I think, I think there's a lot of laws that need to be happening. Uh, Hopefully, legislation to 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 uh, really make it more of a, a requirement, more than just compliance, but a requirement for these companies that run these critical infrastructures, particularly those that are are, are in healthcare and in finance, in, in transportation, um, and, and of course, you know, energy, to make sure because they impact the populations of those countries. And and when that goes down, you're it's not just a cyber issue; it's a health issue. It's it's an issue where people could freeze to death or. Right. Or, or have all kinds of other issues. So I think, uh, you know, this is uh, nothing more important than critical infrastructure. Right, right. Okay, you did touch upon the fact that Colonial Pipeline did end up paying, uh, paying the ransom. Uh, so what's your thought on that? I mean, it's a very complicated topic. 
it's very difficult to basically take a stance uh, that you know should we pay the ransom or should we just disclose the information to the bond is is there what yeah, yeah, generally it is a complicated issue because it's not it doesn't pertain to everyone i mean uh generally you should not pay the ransom because you got to expect that if you're a target uh you pay the ransom they're going to take the money and they're going to share your your uh coordinates etc with others who are going to do the same thing right. or they're going to hit you again i mean these people are not nice people <laughs> they're not you're not playing with uh, with any ethics here uh so that's generally the case but i i understand uh, the predicaments of some you know you know companies or industries where if you're operating a hospital and you get a ransomware demand i mean you have a choice uh if you're putting your, your patients at risk so a lot of that is is uh, a problematic you know and, and and you know what can you say if they pay because they had to because they have they don't lose patients on ventilators or have all kinds of other issues come up they have a bigger liability so i think that's where the, the crossover between the private sector and the public sector needs to be uh it needs to be looked at as a criminal act when the, when these infrastructure attacked and you have to look at other other ways with the government in the case of colonial pipeline the government did get involved and they got most of them more back but i think i think this needs to be really expanded in a bigger way uh just because the private sector in some areas is incapable of protecting itself and a uh, government needs to be able to respond and sometimes it's with state sponsored terrorism there needs to be a response directly to the to the perpetrators too so um you're right though it's it's not a, not a not a, a very you know a straightforward issue of right. whether you pick right 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 okay uh coming to uh uh another thing uh you know uh from ddos to ransomware to probably brute force attack uh and then ai enabled which do you think will take most of the attention in 2023 your your forecast oh, my full attention uh gosh right. <laughs> you know i you know I, i think you know you're still seeing a, a you know it went down for a little bit you're still seeing an uptick of the ransomware attacks i mean that's going to be continue to be prevalent uh what we talked about earlier the automation of attacks could be really interesting you're seeing now also uh, uh distributed now service attacks and bot attacks um i think those are going to be continue to grow uh just because they're easy to do and uh they're a nuisance for most companies but they're also a threat and now they can contain malware and do other things so so i think a, a, probably a growth a growth in those kind of things um you know i think you're going to see uh obviously more of a uh a trend where there's still going to be a lot of companies moving to the cloud this has been happening over the last 5 6 years but uh certainly a lot of companies just don't have the capabilities and rely on the cloud to protect them although it obviously not 100% reliable you'll see moving to the edge more and more where our devices now are 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 really our our lives uh it's not necessarily our laptops but our devices and and eventually it'll be implants <laughs> but uh you know we're really moving uh to that neuromorphic area uh with computing with elective and then i think the biggest change might be you know what we're preparing for is quantum um they've already required the US government that that uh, algorithms be quantum proof uh because uh, of uh encryption uh because of the, the threat from quantum there's a lot of investment going in around the world and of course the, the ability to use quantum technologies is going to revolutionize a lot of industries but also uh put threats to uh you know uh, decrypting data and other things and protection so it, it's a very much of a global national security issue all right um, that's that's a very interesting topic uh, considering you know people uh, so how much of quantum cybersecurity is hypothetical how much of that is happening in, in the real sense i think a lot of the material science part of it is hypothetical i think right. the algorithms part of it is is not um So I think we're it's a growth and maybe a decade away or or later or earlier who knows
but whatever it is, uh, I mean, all the large companies are investing in it and researching it. Um, you know, I think there's an area of breakthrough in photonics now with quantum that, that may allow things to happen quicker. So it's really defend, defends how, you know, and that's a really, uh, that's almost a physicist uh, question of, of what quantum is, because uh, it's always debated among them. But you're right, it's, it's really a, a, you know, enabler uh, of technology. And so, so you can have quantum type technologies without having actually full quantum computing. So I think there's there's a there's a lot of uh, variables there to, to include too. But regardless of whether it comes or not, the, the threats with technology are still there, and, and artificial intelligence is just as impactful on, on the system as, as quantum will be. So I think uh, you know we, we have our hands uh, uh, tied right now. We need to unleash them and, and really look at these new threats in, in the you know the the the, the digital 4.0 world uh, which we live in now is really changed a lot of how we're going to operate in business and security. Wow, that's really nice. Thanks again, Chuck. It was again, it's, it's quite an honor to talk to you. And then, you know, congratulations for being the cybersecurity well, person. Thank you. Here. Thank you. Appreciate a, a, a well deserved one. A delight. A delight to have you. Great. I was delighted. And it was a great, great talking to you, too. Thank you. Thank you so much.